Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Squad Podcast. And today I'm joined by the sports editor of Radio Clyde, Alison Conroy. Alison, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. I no problem at all. So we'll just dive right into it and start from the beginning. So at what age did you realise that you wanted to get involved in the media? Pretty young. Pretty young, I thought, media. Initially, I thought public relations. It was PR that I thought that I would go into, and I studied corporate communication at university, then quickly realised that actually it was the journalism side of it that appealed to me most. And I went on a six-week placement to a radio station called Central FM and stayed for 18 months and the rest is history, basically. Oh, that's brilliant. So when did you realise, right, I want to get involved in sports media, I want to start actually covering sports? I mean, I've always loved football. I've been going to games since I was four. So my love of football has been with me my entire life. So when I when I started in radio, I did news with a little bit of sport. And I quickly realised that, you know, sport was where I wanted to be, but I was happy. And I love working in news as well. I absolutely love that and different stories and, you know, happy stories, sad stories. It was brilliant, but football was where I wanted to be. And I had to work hard to get into football full time, but it's definitely been worth worth the hard graft yeah no absolutely so see like what kind of work experience did you have to do to get to where you're at now so obviously I went to Central FM and then I kind of went in two days a week um, just voluntary kind of work experience idea and then they did a, a football show on a Friday night kind of taking in Stirling Albion, Stenhouse Muir, Alloa, Falkirk, East Stirlingshire and I started working on that. So I would go out every Thursday night and interview the managers. And then we'd put together a kind of half hour show. So that was where I started. And then I went to West Sound Radio, got a job there. And I started covering Stranraer games. And I covered almost every Stranraer game for three seasons, home and away. Jeez Even old. when I went to Clyde, I kept, I then moved up to Radio Clyde, but it's all part of the same group. So I kept doing that when I could basically to get the experience and then eventually I got my first show my first game for Super Scoreboard Dundee against Partick Thistle it was uh-huh. um, then I actually went to BBC for a wee while and then went back to Clyde as well so yeah a lot of work I had to start from the bottom and work, work my way up essentially mm. so how long did you work at the BBC for before we come to your, like your time at Radio Clyde I went to the BBC initially it was news that I was doing at the BBC but when I got there I spoke to the head of sport and asked if I could do an extra day a week and do some sports shifts as well so I did an extra day a week paid obviously out of my own spare time I decided to work that extra day to get into the sports department so I did that then went freelance and worked in the sports department for two years probably and then I got asked to go back to Radio Clyde and that was 10 years ago, come August, that I've been back at Clyde, yeah. Exactly, see, like, throughout the years, I can always, like, anytime I listen to Super School, we listen to it all the time, so, like, for, like, the past 10 years, I've heard your voice on the radio, like, every yeah. Saturday, <laughs> and I, I'm if, sorry. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> if I remember, right, uh, for a good while or so, you were mostly covering Celtic games, is that right, yeah? Um, I do cover a lot of Celtic games, but we mix it up as much as we can as well. When it comes to European games and when, when both teams are in Europe, we, we feel that it's quite good when you're travelling home 
you know, abroad and home, it's good to be on the one team. So one of us will cover Celtic, one of us will cover Rangers in Europe because it just gives you that continuity for that competition. But when it comes to um, Scottish football, we kind of mix and match. Like this weekend, I'm at Ibrox for Rangers St. Mirren, Andrew McLean, sports reporter. He's going up to Tannadice on Sunday for... Um, the Celtic game so we, we do try and mix it up a bit as well because it's great to cover as many of the teams as you can mm-hmm. and you were just saying like you've been abroad like, uh, like reporting on games as well what would you say has been your favourite experience going abroad reporting on football do you know there have been so so many and it's not always about the results it's about places that you go and the people you visit and I had a great time I went to Georgia with Scotland when we could qualify and then we made a mess of it under Gordon Strachan and got beat. And we went to Tbilisi and what a place. Absolutely brilliant. The game was rubbish because Scotland got beat and then our plane didn't come and we got stuck at the airport for um, a good few hours. But, you know, brilliant place to see. And you see so many places that you wouldn't necessarily go to and see. So it's not always necessarily about the big teams. The, you know, they glamorise as much, actually, quite a lot of the, the smaller Places like the smaller grounds. Borussia mentioned Gladbach. Amazing stadium. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. But in terms of results, I mean, Celtic, when they went to Rome last season, would be up there just for the drama at the end of the game as well. So there's been, you know, different games stick out for different reasons and it's not always actually about the result or the actual football that you watch. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But so, see, uh, in terms of this pandemic, um, how, how do you feel about reporting on games like during this? Because it must be a very unique experience, like go, like going to the games, reporting on it with no fans there. Yeah, it's it's so so strange, and we all know that we are in such a privileged position because not many people are actually getting in to watch football live in stadiums, so we're so so lucky. But it's just so strange that lack of atmosphere. We feed off the atmosphere when we are reporting. So for the players, I can only imagine how difficult it's been for them with zero atmosphere. There's a couple of grounds will pipe in some crowd noise into the stadium, but most there's nothing. So it's it's like it's like a training game sometimes that you're watching because there is no atmosphere. You don't get the kind of fans building up to a goal or a great chance or reacting to something that's happened on the pitch. It's just nothing apart from maybe the shouts from the players or, or the management team. So it's, yeah, yeah it's, so strange. Not something that I want to continue for any longer. Oh, than no, it, has to. No. Well, it must be quite funny though, Alison. Like you can probably hear like the back and forth going on between the managers and the players. Yes, it <laughs> is. Yeah, you hear some some entertaining things. Like, <laughs> you know, it's probably shouted in every game, but you just don't ever hear it because there's you know fifty thousand people there or whatever. But um, yeah, it is quite entertaining. I think. We're more used to it now because it's been happening for so long, but initially you were kind of sitting going, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a kind of different side to it that you weren't used to. And then you had to, you know, you ask a manager at the end, oh, you said such and such, and they're like, oh, you can hear me now. <laughs> I know they're like mortified and just need to be like very careful what they say. And see, in terms of press conferences as well, that must be strange. Like you need to like wait your turn, and sometimes the connection might be a bit dodgy. So that that would be very like that's like very different as well, and like hopefully that will be like out the window quite soon. <laughs> yeah, most most clubs do their pre-match press conferences on Zoom. A couple of them do do them in person, which is great because it's 
so much better to actually go out and sit in front of the person rather than speaking to them mm-hmm. on a computer screen. But most most at the moment are doing it on Zoom, which is it's a bit strange. We've kind of all had to adapt to to doing it and knowing when to jump in. And if somebody's on a delay, as you see, it can make it a little bit messy at times. But we're getting through it. Post-match is in person, but at most grounds, post-match now is outside rather than in the press rooms, which brought us its own new challenges in terms of having to get new equipment so you could socially distance, because normally we would just hand handheld mic in front of the manager, which you can't do because you can't be that close to them. So it was new ways of adapting to do that. And then obviously you've got your issues if it's raining, if it's snowing. Um, the worst, I think, this season was Livingston Celtic when the game was almost oh, yeah, out by the end. And we were all standing outside waiting for the managers, just snow pelting down on us because we're right pitch side. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely crazy. But obviously that's what we need to do because we can't all go and hide in a small room all huddled up together. So it's yeah. just been adapting. It's Yeah, it's a lot of challenges. A lot of challenges. No, absolutely. Because I'm at, like, I was just telling you off earlier, like, I'm at university doing sports mm-hmm. journalism and I'm in like fudge year. So like like I've been uh, so I went I started uni like during the pandemic, and I feel like it's been Zoom like we've been on Zoom throughout the whole thing and it's just so weird like you know it's like it's crazy like I'm in a class with people that I've not even met <laughs> and we're getting and we're getting put into like breakout rooms and it's it's crazy <laughs> so it is you know but see like just going back to the football though like like fingers crossed like at least some fans will be there. Uh, like come the Euros for Scotland being there because obviously this is the first time we've made the Euros or like made, made a major tournament in 23 years so see the way it's going just now I think it's going to be unlikely to be honest I think it'll be in front of like no one sadly yeah the, the way it's going it seems that way and which is so so unfortunate and it goes back to what I say about players feeding off the crowd especially a massive tournament like that to, it's so Scotland like to actually qualify for a tournament, and it's going to be at Hamden in front of no fans. Yeah, <laughs> it's a most Scotland way, isn't it? <laughs> but you know what? We're there, and it's great, and we can watch it. On, you know, people can watch it on television if there are no fans. You know, I'm not giving up hope that hope maybe even a few few can get into the ground, which would make a little bit of a difference to the atmosphere as well. But you know, just you just want the Euros to go ahead first of all, and I think that at least will happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, see, just going back to the interviews, uh, that, like just going back to interviews in general, mm-hmm. what would you say at the top of your head has been your favourite interview that you've ever done? It's a big question that, <laughs> but I know you've done tons. Wow, that is, um, <laughs> geez, that's, I'm trying to think. I've done no. <laughs> so many interviews over the years and I'm trying to think of ones that stand out. And again, it's not always because it's the big interview or, I did a a show last summer on Super Scoreboard and it was about racism in football. And just, we had a guy on, he was actually a football fan who lived in Ayrshire. And just the stories he told and the passion and the insight and just things that I, you know, I've obviously never experienced racism. And the stories that he was telling, it was such powerful radio and just a, a great 
kind of insight into it for people and that that one stands out to me and Alex Dyer former Kilmarnock manager come on that night as well and what he had to say so I think those ones when you get a real insight into somebody's life it's about getting to the personal side of it I mean there have been obviously so many interviews that I've done post-match that stand out for different reasons because of maybe the way the managers reacted or mm-hmm. something that's happened because of that but I think those ones would stand out for that reason mm-hmm. yeah and uh, see like obviously as you just said like you've done so many interviews but you don't even name a person right but have you ever done an interview and you're like oh that didn't go well at all many many <laughs> there's so many I mean there are a lot of football players don't like talking mm-hmm. they just don't like talking and there are sometimes you're a few minutes into an interview and you're just going it's like pulling teeth isn't it <laughs> nothing here and there's just no point and you just keep going and keep going and keep going you hope but yeah there have been a few a few like that but nothing nothing horrendous I'm not naming any names yeah, of players <laughs> yeah there have been none that have been awful in any way so I've been quite lucky yeah um, but you see, how, like in twenty twenty one, how do you feel? Was like, what do you think about the the relationship between the, the media and football clubs? Because I feel as though, like football clubs, I might be going a bit overboard here. They kind of see the media as enemy in a way, a wee bit. If you get what I'm saying, but maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit. I don't know. <laughs> there is there is a sense of that from from some some clubs, and you know they don't want. negative story you know if things aren't going well or something happens or they they want the positive story and of course everybody wants the positive stories and we're not out to get everybody it's not about the -hmm. sensational stories it's not about all that it's about telling the story it's about talking about what's happened it's about having an opinion on what happened that's what our pundits do that's what super scoreboard's about the callers can come on and have their opinion as well and you know we want to have everybody in the media wants to have a good relationship with every football club we want to work together we want to be able to speak to the players the manager and have that good relationship that actually then the players can come to us and just as i say going back to what i said about good interviews tell their story and just talk to us and i think there is sometimes a fear for players as well that they don't want to speak sometimes because they're scared that they say their own thing and that gets made into something Mm-hmm. that it's not and uh, it's a whole trying to explain I, I'm not out to get anybody I just want to ask questions and tell the story and if I see something that's happened on the football pitch post-match I have to ask the manager about it because that's me doing my job mm-hmm. yeah. and so it, it's a difficult one sometimes you have to obviously work on relationships with clubs and managers and the media side of it as well but on the whole it's, it's not too bad it's pretty good because mm-hmm. I feel as though like nowadays with footballers are just so like robotic it's like the same thing like in, in uh, every interview and I actually watched an interview the other week it was with uh, James Madison mm-hmm. it was on Sky Sports and he was just so, old, really, wasn't so honest mm-hmm. yeah and it was so refreshing to see and I'm like oh just why can't footballers just be like this more you know um, but as you said like the media aren't out to get footballers or anything. They're just doing their job and reporting and interviewing. Like, that's all, like, journalists are doing, you know. But 
I, and I also feel as though like see clubs that are more focused on like in-house media now and obviously like spinning a good story and trying to like avoid the negative which is in my, obviously in my opinion I don't think that's right at all. I think that works when like in-house media fans want that when things are going well and it's positive stories and they don't want that negativity around the club and they want to hear about the good things that are happening at the club. They want to hear from the manager. They want to hear from the players. But when things start going wrong at a club, fans don't want to hear necessarily always from in-house media because they actually want to hear the sure. hard questions sometimes. Yeah. About, I mean, that, that club media don't ask because that's not what club media is about. Club media is about obviously promoting the club in a positive light. But sometimes tough questions have to be asked. I mean, if I take you back to Celtic, obviously Neil Lennon, leaving a couple of weeks ago, club media at no point after a game are going to say, are you considering your position? Do you think you can continue? Do you want... But that's what the fans wanted to know. The fans were asking, you know, is he going to go, whatever. So we do our job by asking that question. It's not a nice thing to do. Nobody wants to continually ask someone, are you going to quit? Are you going to lose your job? Because in any walk of life, that's not a nice thing to have to ask somebody. But we're going to ask it because that's what we're we're paid to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I was going to ask you this one as well. Do you feel as though some journalists might be, for example, in a press conference, do you feel as though they might be hesitant to ask a, a real tough question because you've seen Alex Ferguson in the past who was famous for banning journalists where he, they would ask him a question and he was like, I don't like that, you're banned, you know? So do you feel as though some journalists might be hesitant to ask a certain question just in case something like that could happen? I can understand why, but I think if your question has substance and there's a reason for you asking it and there's a reason behind it, I don't think you should be in fear of asking a question because you can then, if you're asked afterwards, why did you ask that? You shouldn't have said that. You can say, well, I asked it because X, Y, and Z. Then, you know, if it's a legitimate question, if you just go and ask a completely wild question for no reason, then you could understand why you might get a ban or whatever. But I think if you've got a legitimate question and there's a reason for asking it, I don't think you should ever, ever be afraid to ask it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, absolutely. And because, like, yeah, like, as you said, like, if you're going to ask a question, you need to at least, like, be able to back up. You can't go in there and just ask a complete absurd question yeah. with, like, mm-hmm. no like no evidence to really back up you know but I see uh, on Super Scoreboard though have you ever had the opportunity to actually host it um like yeah like so what what's that like uh, like doing that as well because that, that must be some experience <laughs> it's great it's yeah it's a complete experience and you know all credit to Gordon Duncan the host who does it obviously five nights a week plus the weekend and very rarely has time off and it's a hard hard shift it's the complete focus because you don't know like there's all this you know theories that we vet the callers we call the callers we tell who we want to phone in we don't it's who phones in and we'll let you on so if you've got a point to make phone up and you'll get on and that's the kind of what makes the show because the person hosting it and the pundits don't know what's going to come up I mean you've got a rough idea because you know what what stories are are happening that day but you don't know what that caller's going to say until they open their mouth mm-hmm. which is a challenge because you've got to be so switched on the whole time in case they say something that they shouldn't say 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, what's it like working with the, the legend Hugh Evans? <laughs> Hugh is just, Hugh's brilliant. I mean, I've known Hugh too many years. <laughs> because he was still, when I first worked at Clyde the first time, he was still doing breakfast sports. So everybody knows Hugh doesn't drive. So my first day at Clyde just started He's pacing up and down the newsroom. He's like, um, you going out? And I said, oh, hi, mate dropped me off at Daily Record. That was my first ever meeting with him because he was still working at the record. And he's just, he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. He's just, he's great. He's like nobody I've ever met before. He, he's got no knowledge of how media works in terms of like social media and all that. You know, to go on Twitter, he actually logs onto his computer in the house and takes away. Because <laughs> he's got an old Nokia. He's, can't do anything on that. I mean, a great story when he got when he um, left the Daily Record, he got a new phone, and he went to the phone shop and he said, "This is the phone I had. Have you if you got one like this?" So it was like an old Nokia. Yes, so that's fine. They randomly had this old Nokia. And then he phones me. Ah, they put my phone on silent and I don't know how to get it off. I said, "Right, well, I don't know because I've not got your phone. And I don't know how how you do it." I'll be down in 10 minutes. Actually came from his house into Radio Clyde so we could switch his phone off silent and he went away back up the road again. <laughs> that's brilliant. He's brilliant and he's oh, been stuck inside during this because he's been stuck in his house doing the show on um, kept from his house. So we're letting him out this weekend and he's getting back into the studio so he's beside himself. Oh, I can imagine he'll be all buzzing. <laughs> but I've met you a few times. I know his daughter, Gemma. Yeah, I know Gemma. Like Gemma used to stay in my street, right? And I remember it was a few years ago. Um, Gemma was having a barbecue and she invited the, the whole neighborhood round, right? So I walked in, and this won't surprise you at all. Walk into the house, he was already debating one of the neighbors about football. And I'm like, I said to Gemma, I was like, I thought this was just like a character, like you played on the radio. And Gemma's like, no, he's, he's, this is every real life. There's no off switch. <laughs> Never changes. You will always get in the same way. Before a show, well, obviously at the moment they're not allowed in the studio too early, but in in the days before coronavirus, if there was a big story happening, he'd be in at two o'clock, ready to go for six o'clock, pacing up and down, he'd noise people up in the office to get himself ready for the show and stuff. It's great. Oh, that's quality. Um, but I see what you're saying about his wife. Like, that is so true. Like, see every barbecue Gemma would have. Like, obviously, uh, you and his wife would be there. Hugh's wife has got the car, she can't have a drink. Hugh's sitting there drinking his wine, loving life. <laughs> Loves a red wine. Oh, no, absolutely. But yeah, like, yeah, like Hugh Keevens, like, he's, he is tremendous. Like, see, the classic saying on Super Scoreboard is like, someone phones up and is like, I'd like to speak to Hugh, please. <laughs> because he yeah. knows how to get people to phone in, he knows how to stir the pot of it. Um, but See, just uh, going on in terms of like advice, uh, Alison. Like, what would your advice be for up and coming journalists and broadcasters? Uh, what would you say that would be like? Because obviously, um, I want to get involved uh, in the media, like in terms of reporting and broadcasting. So, what would uh, your advice be? Get work experience. Obviously, at the moment, it's more difficult because you know it's not as easy to get work experience at the moment. But obviously, things will return to some sort of normality get your work experience because you won't necessarily know what it is you want to do. Is it radio? Is it television? Is it behind the scenes? Is it 
newspapers and you need to get a bit of work experience everywhere to get a feel of it and how it actually works and when you do get work experience I always say this be loud make yourself heard because if you just go on and work experience and sit there all quiet at a desk for a week nobody's going to remember you and then you've wasted you've wasted a week and also going back to what I said at the start sometimes you know I think sometimes too often a lot of students think that they're going to go in at the top and they're going to start covering the old firm and Scottish Premiership week in, week out. And you know, there, there aren't a lot of jobs, let's be honest. And that, and I think if you start at the bottom, where I did, cut your teeth at a small club, because you get more access as well. You'll get as much access as you want to the players and the manager and you can do more interviews and you can get more content that way as well. And there's a lot of stories to be had at these clubs as well and these kind of stories of get your name known and get yourself out there as well mm -hmm. yeah like see my mindset is as well like i completely agree with everything you're saying because like my mindset is like if you don't ask it'll always be a no you know like that in terms of my podcast as well like where i'm just like reaching out to people and a lot of people have not even replied but i just need to keep plugging away and get myself out there you know and I, yeah. as you were saying about work experience if you just sit there and you're quiet and you don't really do anything no one will take notice, so you need to be bold, as you're saying. Get yourself out there, ask questions. Yeah, with ideas as well. Have ideas before you go in mm -hmm. as well. Go, I've got this great idea for a story. And do you know what? We might go, oh, I don't know if that would work, but at least you've come in with ideas. Yeah. And there's never a bad idea. You're better to have ideas than not have ideas. Yeah, no, like, you're absolutely right. Um, and like as you also said as well, like, like when people start out in the media, they think right away, I'm going to be on Super School, but I'm going to be working for the Daily Records or whatever. This doesn't work like that. You need to work your mm -hmm. way up. Like in terms of like reporting, like as you said, like you had to start like pretty much from the bottom and you had to like do a lot of work experience and now you're at Radio Clyde being the sports editor. <laughs> but how long you been in that role for is uh, being the sports editor? Or have you always been in as a sports editor for the past 10 years? No, I went back just as a journal a reporter and then I became senior sports reporter and I almost became sports editor during lockdown. I'm trying to think when it was. Less than a year ago. Well less than a year ago became sports editor. So yeah that's fairly fairly recent. But I was senior sports sports reporter for a good number of years, about five five years before that. So yeah. Mm -hmm. What's it like being the sports editor then? Great. Great fun. Um <laughs> I mean, the basis of my job is reporting and doing the press conferences and all that kind of stuff. And that'll never change because that's the bread and butter of what we do. The kind of extra bits that come with it are obviously, you know, dealing with your pundits, booking the pundits, dealing with games and accreditation, who goes to which game at the weekend as well. I have to speak to all the pundits and decide who's going where and speak to clubs about accreditation and that's all changed as well during um lockdown because numbers are so limited at games you can't you know say I want x y and z at every game so yeah there's a lot of dealing with things like that as well and a lot of kind of more stuff in the background that people don't realize that necessarily happens but it's a lot of work that happens to make what happens on air work essentially yeah and uh, see, on uh, terms of uh, football, actually, um, I, I know you're a massive Forfa fan, um, so you must be happy that the World Leagues will be returning soon, even though uh, Forfa are rock bottom of League One. Yeah, they're rock, <laughs> they're rock <laughs> bottom of League One, but I'm kind of hoping that now that 
the football's coming back that we might be able to climb up those leagues a little, uh, climb up the table a little bit. But if somebody could make a decision about what was happening with the lower leagues and when they were coming back, that would be great because we still have no no decision about that because obviously the clubs want a 22-game season with well, 18 games in before after the split. The SPFL want 18 games. They've had a meeting today. The SPFL are concerned. So we still not get a decision about what's going to happen. So there's a lot of uh, toing and froing still to be um, happening before we can get a decision on that. But at least we know there's an end in sight. We're going to get lower league football back because for the sake of the future of a lot of clubs, we need to get it back. Yeah, like they're hanging on like by a thread, which is a shame to see. Mm-hmm. It really is. And uh, I, I also seen as well that there are, like, I've I seen you reported about it actually on Twitter, and that obviously they're having that meeting and they're, they're wanting to uh, play up till about 22 games this season instead of the, the original 36. So 22 games, I think that, and I can see why that would make sense due to the, 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 the lack of finance in the lower leagues as well. So can you see that actually happening? Well, that's what they're trying to decide. Obviously, they're not, they can't agree at the moment. The clubs want the 22 games, the SPFL want the 18 games, and it's about trying to find a workaround for that because obviously the league was already cut cut down a bit because it, it didn't start till October. But it's trying to work out what's a fair amount of games. And, you know, you look at some clubs like Clyde's because they had, they had an outbreak of coronavirus, they missed a couple of games. I think they've only played eight games. So far this season, whereas I think Dumbarton have played 10, so they've got eight games left, then Clyde have got to try and fit in another two, and it's what, what the clubs want is for the season to be extended slightly, and it's trying to say to the SPFL that that would be the way forward, because at the moment I think that the season's due to end at the, the start of March, and they just want to push back even two weeks to make mm-hmm. that happen, because again, you know, there's clubs that lost out on promotion, there was clubs that were you know, affected by this, you look at Falkirk and Partick Thistle, obviously are the two that stand out in, in the lower leagues, so clubs don't want that to happen again, but then you've got to feel for the Lowland clubs as well, because their season hasn't restarted yet, and they missed out on the chance of promotion at the SPFL last season, and then it looks like they could miss out again this season. Yeah, I know, it's, it is a real shame as well, like uh, I said on my podcast uh, a few months ago, I feel as though like, the Scottish government aren't exactly doing all they can, I feel as though they could do a bit more, you know, but um, see, like, going back to Forfar, though, uh, what would you say is, one of, like, your favourite memory, uh, being a Forfar fan? I think I have a feeling of the of the game that you might say. <laughs> really? Yes, I do. <laughs> I remember it very well, <laughs> but it might not be. <laughs> You're thinking of a Rangers game, but... I'm indeed, yes. <laughs> I'm indeed. Um, it was beating Motherwell in the CIS Cup at Station Park. Um, we won on penalties, um, which for Forfar was absolutely amazing. I mean, that was not yesterday when I'm talking about the CIS Cup, but it was absolutely brilliant. What a night. Um, I was there with my dad, and it turns out that Gordon Duncan, who holds Super Scoreboard, big Motherwell fan, was over the other side of Station Park that, that night as well, watching the game. So he went down the road devastated, and I went down the road absolutely elated because we had beat Motherwell in the CIS Cup and I actually think we got Rangers in the next round. Oh, jeez, oh man. Like, but see, I remember that day though when Rangers uh, lost to Forfar and I th- I'm sure Dick Campbell was uh, the Forfar manager then. 
yeah, but that was it. Yeah. yeah, that was just um, when the transfer ban was in place for Rangers. Yep, and it was the Challenge Cup, wasn't it? No, it was a it was a League Cup. League Cup. League Cup. Yeah. So we weren't covering. No, we. I wasn't at that game for some reason. I was at a different game, and I'm sitting in the stand. And I think it was like how I can't even remember what game I was at, but it was like during the game and four for scored, and I shouted. There was like silence in the stadium, and I. Went, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was a good one as well. Yeah, but there's a lot, but the Motherwell game stands out because it was just such a a crazy game, and it went to extra time and penalties, and it's one of those games I had no voice for two days after the game either. It was just it was it was brilliant as a four for fan. That's the one that always stands out to me. Paul Tosh scored the winner. Oh, that's superb that. Um, but see, uh, just going uh, on to Dick Campbell as well. Like, obviously, you must have interviewed Dick Campbell many times. Like, what a character he is. Oh, he's brilliant. I mean, I knew him when he was Partick Thistle manager. I dealt with him quite a lot. And he's just... the He's one of the characters that's left in Scottish football. There's no airs and graces. He wears his hat on his sleeve. He says it as it is, and I love that. I love the just raw honesty. He just, he loves the game, and that's why he does it. He does it for the love of the game. And just some of the conversations that we've had in that office at Fur Hill, it's a little tiny office, tucked away at Fur Hill. That's where the manager's office is, and you'd go in there, and you would set the world to rights. Um, then obviously he went to, he was four for manager, and achieved so much with Forfer, got to the playoffs, then got beat at Alloa when Rob Douglas had an absolute nightmare. Um, but he achieved so much, and obviously I was a bit gutted when he left to go to Arbroath, but I'm over it now, and he is. He's just, he's, he's one of the legends of the game, and we're not, I don't think we're going to see many more characters like that, managerial-wise, mm -hmm. coming through. That's that kind of era that's, you know, it's gone and by. Like Campbell, John Lambie, that those kind of managers, which are they're rare. I mean, I suppose Yogi Hughes would be kind of one that springs to the mind at the moment that you've got the absolute character because he's just you never know what he's going to he's say so next. Positive, isn't he? Yeah, he just like, great. he's just so energetic, and you just can't help but smile when he comes. You can see him walking along the touchline, and you're just like, right. What we're going to get here? Yeah, <laughs> like it must be brilliant interviewing people like John Hughes as well because you know you're always going to get a great interview, even if Ross County had a really bad defeat. You won't get like him snapping at journalists as well because you obviously you would see some managers that they would snap at a journalist if a mm -hmm. certain question was asked, you know. But with John Hughes, like you would never get that under any circumstances. I imagine he's another one. He's honest. He's passionate. He loves the, you know, the club that he's managing and he puts his heart and soul into it, but he'll front up to every question. He'll answer every question. And that's, for us, that's that's brilliant. When when you've got a manager or a player that fronts up and answers every question honestly, then that's 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 all we ask for. No, absolutely. Um, it's David Martindale was uh, a good one as well. Like, what a journey that guy's been on. So, like, it's it's a real... Uh, it's a, it's a, he's a real character as well, like... And he's another guy who's a breath of fresh air for Scottish football, I think. Yeah, he's great. He just loves his job. He absolutely loves his job. He does everything at Livingston. He's involved in every part of the running of the club. Um, and because he just loves it and he just, it's a passion for him as well. And he's another one, 
you don't know what he's going to say next in a good way. It, it's it's good to hear these guys and just kind of talking with no fear in a sense of what they're saying, which is good because it's just fresh and uh, yeah, here's another one. Yeah. I'll keep him too. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to ask you this one, Alison, right? Because as you know, I'm a massive Rangers fan. Like, what's it what's it like interviewing Steven Gerald? That must be that must be something. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange one for me because um Stephen Gerrard actually took over while I was on maternity leave. So he came in and I was on maternity leave, and I'm thinking this is really weird, really strange. I'm I'm gonna go back. There's this new manager here. Normally, you're doing press conferences week in, week out, and games. So they kind of they get to know you and they know your face and whatever. So I did. I went back and I think my first press conference. It was a pre-match press conference for a Europa League game. So I went in and asked a few questions, and you could see him kind of. Is this new? So I kind of went over the end and I said, "I'll oh, just Alison from Clyde." just come back from maternity leave and he went, great, he said, so I'm going to see you regularly. I said, I'll be at games. He went, great. And that was it. That was fine. Just to kind of, I felt like I better say something because I've just appeared mid-season asking questions. But no, he's great. He's very professional. Um, You know, he answers questions really well. Yeah, he's great to deal with in all honesty. He is, and he's just passionate. And I feel like what he's achieved this season with Rangers, he's having an absolutely brilliant season with them as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Alison, uh, just to finish up here, like honestly, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, like I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it.